It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin, and we are nearly finished with our final rankings series for the 2023 class. I can't believe it, but we have two episodes in the rankings series left, which means we're winding down in this class, Colin. And today we are talking about the always unpredictable tight end position. Yeah. Saving, you know, the the most difficult for last. (laughs) We're grinding down into this, you know, the, the build great tight end class, the deep tight end class. And, we, we're going to have no idea how to actually rank these guys, but we're going to take our best shot at it. Yeah, this is the last offensive group. Next week is all about IDP. We will be diving very deep into this class of IDPs next week. But uh, offensive side of things, tight ends. And like you just said, this class is sort of hailed as a – potentially historic tight end class. And we saw many tight ends selected in the first two rounds, even of the draft this year. Um, But it is kind of interesting when you think about it, because when I was going through this and, you know, obviously we had watched most of these guys in the, in the winter time, but when you really go back and look at it, not a lot of these guys have production behind them, which is interesting that we are looking at this class as a very deep and talented group, but these are not even players, Colin, that we have really seen put it on tape in terms of production in college. Yeah, these are guys that it seems like the NFL is taking a chance on. They're just betting on the upside of the little bit that they've seen or the athleticism that these guys have shown or maybe there's some uh, nuances of the you know blocking game or something that they're interested in. I mean, uh, like you said, a lot of these guys, it is there's just not a lot of tape out there of them like catching the ball. So it's it'll be interesting to see how your list shapes up versus mine and you know how these guys end up actually impacting not only the NFL their NFL rosters but how they rise in the fantasy rosters cuz as we both know and as you said at the top this is uh, the most unpredictable position yeah and the, and the last like great tight end class that I think was a bit, at least build that way coming into things was 2017 where there was three tight ends taken in the first round, O.J. Howard, um, David Njoku, and Evan Ingram were the three from that year. So uh, six years later, even, we're still (laughs) figuring those players out, and some of them are having the best seasons of their careers six years in. So tough position, man. Let's try our best, figure this thing out, (laughs) see who's going to be fantasy-relevant in this group. So uh, starting with, we're going to do top five, which will leave some time for honorable mentions at the end. So give me your number five tight end, Colin. My number five tight end is Dallas Cowboys, formerly of the Michigan Wolverines, Luke Schoonmaker. So I, I had to dive back into Schoonmaker because uh, he was the 58th overall pick in the draft, and I was like, whoa, that's pretty high. You know, the late second round, and they just lost their safety blanket in Dalton Schultz. They really only have Jake Ferguson on this roster. Dak really likes throwing to his tight ends, and Schoonmaker will, I think, be able to carve out a role in this offense. He's a solid blocker. Uh, he's not overly athletic, but he is the safety blanket type of guy. Well, he's he's pretty athletic. Well, he's, he's I, you, you know his RAS is like nine point eight, right? Well, or like nine point six or something. 
I mean, RAS is one thing, but I, he doesn't he doesn't show it. Like he can run a forty, but I, I I don't know. The tape doesn't look like it. Well, that said, I also have Schoonmaker. Is that that's that is correct, right? That's, that's what I heard on the Michigan broadcast. Okay, I've I've heard a lot of variations of this one. Schoonmaker. Yes, I also have him at number five. I think our top five's probably going to be the same here. <laughs> uh, this was a player like you mentioned. I mean, when we did tight end rankings 2.0, this was not a player that we discussed. Um, and I also jumped back in, took a look at him. I mean, he's he's interesting. I I didn't love the tape, but he is one of the better natural pass catchers i think of this group and i mean i i I understand what you're saying about the you know the athleticism not necessarily showing up he's a little bit like he's kind of got that baby giraffe to it yeah and i I think a lot of these guys you know when you're you know six five and young and still filling you know getting into your body i think you get you get a little bit of that but i i can see that but that is why it was also kind of surprising that he comes into the combine and blazes the 40. He had really good agility drills, which was the biggest surprising point for me. Um, and then also the explosive stuff was great as well. So this was a really, really nice overall athletic profile from a guy who is one of the better pass catching tight ends in this group. Now, one of the one of the drawbacks here is that he's already almost 25 years old. <laughs> so yeah, it's another one of these guys who's just so already into his career here. I mean, by the end of the rookie deal, you're talking about a player that's already 30 years old, essentially. <laughs> so, I mean, it's hard for me to like get super, you know, thrilled about this player in terms of like where am I drafting him Um, but Cowboys like you said they like the tight end position there's a space there for him they took him in the second round I think he's worth a shot in the short term yeah I agree and uh, I was gonna say like a young man filling out his body when he's going to be 25 years old. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> that's right. I, I realize this is not a 22-year-old, you know? No. This is a guy who's already there. Right, but, uh, yeah, I, I think he's just, like, a nice target. It, it'll be it'll be nice to have him in there, and uh, since he's a, a little older, it, it feels like he's a little bit more of a developed player when it comes to, like, blocking mostly is like he can play in line and he can get down and he uses his body well when he's running routes he's, he can get physical at the top of the route so yeah schoonmaker schoonmaker i like I, I read it schoonmaker but it's schoonmaker right. schoonmaker there yeah. it is all right well number four i think we're gonna be I we're think, gonna be on I the same page go ahead luke musgrave yeah it's luke musgrave yeah so th- this was a player that we did talk about in the winter. And, and th- this is where the conversation really starts to get interesting for me. I mean, Schoon, Schoonmaker, Schoon, 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 whatever, dude, Luke, the other Luke, he's fine. Musgrave is a player that is actually like exciting to yeah. me as a, as a potential piece in the, for, you know, in the long term, really. I mean, if you're looking at the the profile here, we discussed how this is a very athletic player, a very raw talent at the position, and a player that did not get to show what he is fully capable of this season because he got hurt immediately. So two games of really, really great production out of Luke Musgrave to start this season. I think he would have easily played his way into the, you know, conversation here, but the big, you know, the 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 pushback point is well, we we haven't seen it with this player. So he's a project, right? So 
that is the drawback here. And that's kind of what I was talking about at the top where, you know, a guy like this, his most productive season is 300 yards and one touchdown in college. But you really like what you see in that limited action. And specifically those two games from this season really jumps off the screen at times. And, you know, the Packers choose to to take him high, you know, second round, very high draft capital for a player that is fairly unknown. So that tells you what they think about him as well. Yeah, I have Musgrave right in the middle of the third round. This is like such a huge jump from Schoonmaker. He's my last spot of my top 48 where it's like, you know, throw a dart and see what's up there but with Musgrave it's it's interesting like that Packers receiving room is wide open like it's Christian Watson and then a bunch of question marks so whoever can form a relationship with Jordan Love like hopefully Musgrave was on the boat with Jordan Love in, in Door County you know getting wasted and uh can can grab a hold of a few of those targets because he I mean like you said he, he's a, a fun player he's exciting this is a guy that can make stuff happen after the catch he can stretch the field a little bit he's a good red zone target at 6-6 I mean there's a lot of things to like about Musgrave but there's some injury concern he has been hurt a lot and there's also the question of like can he be productive over a long period of time? Like you said, where we don't know for sure what this player looks like over the course of a full season. So that being said, I am excited to see him play hopefully a full season and and see if he can rack up some targets, but it's always so, so hard to predict that kind of thing with a guy that hasn't been able to, to put it all together to this point. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, this is not a player that is going to shine early in his career, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. This will be, I mean, this is usually how it goes anyway with tight ends. you got to wait a few years. I think this is the kind of player where, you know, we're going to get a year in the books and then kind of figure it out from there. I would not expect... You know, even with the opportunities, the early opportunities that are available to him, you know, with with the barren tight end room there outside of the two guys that they picked, uh, even that, I I don't think this is a player that gets super involved early. And I'm going to use that to just jump into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is Tucker Craft, because I feel like we should have this conversation now because, I mean, there is a realistic possibility that Tucker Craft might be the tight end to own in this room. I mean, like he was, you know, not taken much later, uh, still, you know, taken in the third round and, I mean, this was my tight end five going into the process, and he is still my tight end six. So, I mean, this is a very interesting situation here with these two players that both have a lot of talent, that have some, you know, dynasty value, but you're not really sure what to do with them. So, what do you think it looks like? I so I think Kraft is a little more versatile than Musgrave but I think that kind of works to his detriment in this Packers offense because I think he's going to end up playing a lot more of like the fullback kind of role than Musgrave and Musgrave is going to be more of the like receiving tight end and you look at how they use like Deguara and Bob Tanyan uh, two years ago, before Tanya tore his ACL. So uh, whenever that was, two years ago or three years ago. And I think that's how LaFleur wants it to look, where he has the one guy that he can deploy out of the backfield and like can they can run that you know bootleg to the opposite side and have uh, Tucker Craft leak out underneath and then be able to catch the ball and run. And then you can have Musgrave, like, crosser being a crosser i think that's kind of the the vision there where Kraft can be a blocker he can be like down and dirty and then he can leak out and make plays after the catch 
while Musgrave can be more of that like pure receiving threat out of the you know traditional tight end position. So uh, I I I could imagine Musgrave is utilized a lot like Bob Tanyan is or Bob Tanyan was, and the problem with that is that Tanyan was very touchdown reliant, and I think it's probably the same. I mean, most tight ends are. So that's not really saying much, but you know, it we have seen a role similar. And so I, I don't expect a ton out of Kraft in terms of production. I think he's going to be very, you know, involved in the offense and the game plan and everything, but I just don't think that is gonna turn into yards and catches. Yeah, I mean certainly one of them will be the you know, focal point in terms of a pass catcher in this, in this room. I mean, it'll be something to monitor because I mean, Kraft's got some chops of his own in the, in the pass catching game. So, I mean, I, I do see a scenario where Kraft has a little bit more polish already, even though he's coming from a lower level of college football, he still already has a little bit more polish. So maybe we see some earlier Kraft touches than Musgrave. So yeah, it's going to be a really interesting situation, but I still love the talent of Musgrave long-term. This is a young player, uh, but we can play this game. Not younger than Kyle Pitts. <laughs> One month older than Kyle Pitts. So take that. <laughs> um, all right. Well, take that. let's move on to our number three tight end in the class Colin give me yours my number three tight end is Michael Mayer so you went to the Raiders <laughs> I told I told you this is I did did you forget that this is no. gonna happen All right. no I didn't forget I this is the one time that I've had a ranking spoiler and I'm I've just been sitting <laughs> with this for several days yeah so Mayer is my tight end three he was my tight end two pre-draft uh and i just i don't love the the raider spot in terms of development in terms of now i mean there's a lot of good amount of competition for targets it's just kind of weird like everything that's going on with the raiders right now is really strange there's been the whole tom brady ownership thing jimmy garoppolo is injured he didn't pass his physical so they might not even have him at quarterback there and all this is just not a good place to start your career it's not like a nice comfy landing spot for a guy that is a polished tight end like it's a it's a player that can do everything in the tight end game and is one of the like bigger guys in terms of like build he's 6'4 265 rather than a lot of these guys are around 250 and he plays like it. I mean, he's a strong player. He makes contested catches, all this. But, I mean, the landing spot, I feel, is just like, it's it sucks. I I just, I hate to, to see a player who could be making an instant impact somewhere get put on a dysfunctional franchise and have to play with who knows at quarterback and you know, behind Devontae Adams and in terms of targets and, like, O.J. Howard's there. I don't know. It's just a, a whole weird situation. O.J. Howard, 2017 draft Call class. back. That means there it's it a breakout, breakout season. <laughs> so, I don't know. This is – it's just I, – I really dislike this landing spot for him. I wish he would have went somewhere else. The, you know, bright spot is that they moved Darren Waller. So, if he can – you know, work his way to the top of the tight end depth chart, which shouldn't be too hard. And then he's competing with like three guys for targets. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to, so I I should have said with Musgrave that he is also in the middle of the third round for me. Okay. We're jumping up to a major, a tier break here from four yeah. to three. And my two and three are on the same tier. And in fact, I have them right next to each other in my overall rankings for the class. I have Mayer at two, but obviously I can understand why you would have my number three player at number two. The thing I will say about Mayer is that 
I mean, I think it is a little bit of a long game here, but we we got to play that anyway with the tight end position. So I think you, it almost got to a point where Mayer was sort of, you know, he wasn't the – he, he wasn't the explosive athlete. He wasn't, you know, Dalton Kincaid, you know, being, you know, the, the best pure pass catching tight end easily in this class. And I, you know, obviously the conversation is headed in that direction. I don't think that's a spoiler, but <sighs> Michael Mayer is, was viewed as one of the top tight end prospects we've seen in a while and I still think that that's true I think the fact that he fell into the second round is not necessarily an indictment of his talent um, and yeah I don't love the spot right now um, the Raiders haven't traditionally been you know well put together organization <laughs> But that said, they did have a lot of years of high-quality Darren Waller production. So I'd like to see the next era of Raiders football have a, a new quarterback in place in the next two years of the quarterback of the future and Michael Mayer, who is actually the youngest tight end of this whole group, growing in this offense as it grows. So and there is not a lot of competition, like you said. So he will have opportunities to see the field this year if he's there in, in the development process, which I think he will be. And then from this point forward, I think it's just all upward momentum for Mayer. Yeah, I guess the, my biggest concern is what does the development look like? Uh, do they trend in a positive direction? Because I've seen almost no uh evidence of that in the past since Derek Carr got went down with the back injury like since then it has been pretty rough so yeah. I and I mean before that too it wasn't much better so uh I I don't believe in the Raiders developmental system is basically where this lands and tight end is such a you know it's such a highly developmental position where you need to grow into a role. You need to, you know, play two positions. You need to be on the end of the line and you need to be running routes. And uh, even though Mayer is good at both of those things, the NFL is a whole different beast than playing at Notre Dame. So we'll, we'll see. I, I mean, he has all the tools to be the f number one tight end in this class, but I just, there is, a block for me here. The the Raiders are just too too big of a hill for me to overcome with these other two guys ahead of them. Well, so with that said, where are you taking Mayer? So I have Mayer in the middle of the second round. Okay, so that's where I, I have him as well. Yeah, <laughs> I love how we're like we're so about far apart, in, in different directions, and yet we're ending up in the same place. Yeah, so. I just have these other two guys higher is basically where it ends up. Right. Okay. Well, my number three is your number two, obviously, and that is Sam Laporta. So why don't you tell me what made you push Laporta into the two spot? Yeah. So I have Laporta at 17. Uh, I have Mayer at 20. So it's not like a huge gap here. Uh I, man, the, it was really the Lions. Like, I didn't expect the Lions to go tight end because they just moved Hawkinson. And then they, like, it felt like they're like, we don't need an elite tight end in this offense to make this work. And then they go and grab, like, one of my draft crushes. And then the, the, he has almost no competition day one for targets. Like, it's Amonra. Jameer Gibbs and then like nobody else of note. So I just really like what the Lions are building. This is I guess this is where you kind of split the hairs between Mayer and Laporta. Is like he he went to a team that feels like they're building a good culture, a good system, and it feels like the system is gonna fit him well, what he can do. And they're at a good offense, like I don't know. It, I, I really love Laporta and he landed in a great spot. So with 
almost no competition to be starting day one as a tight end. So that, that's why I have Laporta here. Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit surprising to me, at least, to see Laporta as the tight end two in the draft, drafted ahead of Michael Mayer. I mean, like you said, this was a player that we both came into, you know, tight end rankings 2.0. Like, man, I got Laporta at number three. Like, I'm going to yeah. shock the world. And then with we both had that. So yep. we were very high on this player. Uh, I mean, as a as a route runner, his his technique is already very advanced, and that's one of the things that I think the more you watch this group of tight ends, the more you realize how much of a differentiator that is for him. You talk mm -hmm. about a lot of these raw athlete-type tight end profiles. They have the size, but they don't necessarily have all of that you know put together yet. Laporta is a player who doesn't quite have the size that you want. He's not small, but he's not, you know, 6'6", but he has that. He has a little bit of roundness to his game where you can easily see him within a season or two kind of jumping into being a featured piece of this offense. So I love the spot. I love the fact that he was drafted at the top of the second round in the NFL. I mean, all systems go on Sam Laporta, certainly. Um, and like I said, man, I have Mayer and Laporta literally right next to each other. I have Mayer at 16, and I have Laporta at 17 in my ranking. So middle, early, middle, second, I'm I'm feeling good about both of these players. Yeah, yeah. I mean, same. So I guess we uh, had – different equations but ended up with the same answer kind of Man, thing you just hate the raiders i get it yeah i really do i just have no <laughs> belief that they're going to be able to develop real talent and i don't think they have a real plan in, in their front office so as much as i like michael mayer i i like sam laporta a lot and i i think i like him more just as a receiver which is yeah. at the end of the day what we look at what counts as fantasy stats is the catches the yards and the touchdowns so i mean moving them up just a little bit and i feel pretty good about it well these two players michael mayer and sam laporta were both two productive tight ends last year that is something that most of these other guys were not and number one was the most productive tight end that's not named Brock Bowers <laughs> in all of college football last year and that is Dalton Kincaid so it has become you know chalk and there is no hot takes when we came in and said Kincaid over Mayer in the winter that was a little spicy now we're here doing the chalk talk because yep. Dalton Kincaid has ascended uh, to a point where honestly it, it's sometimes it feels like it's gone too far. <laughs> I I have I am so annoyed with where the Kincaid discourse has gotten. Like I have him I have him twelve overall. So okay. that is the end of the first round. And people are talking about Kincaid. I mean the report came out and they're like, Yeah, we might use Kincaid as a big slot. And then I feel like people just took that and ran with it so far and now people are talking about Kincaid you know dynasty tight end one and Kincaid's the next Travis Kelsey and Kincaid is oh my goodness so we, we've gotten to this point where I like said I made a like fake Travis Kelsey comparison you know for fun on a pod and people are doing that actually for real and they're like yeah no this is the next Travis Kelsey and yeah I, I'm not there. I could tell you that. I think it's really nice that he landed in the Bills offense, and I think they're going to do a great job of incorporating him. But I, did, I think people are just setting themselves up for disappointment at this point. Well, the Travis Kelsey comp makes no sense from the get-go. I mean, it, it doesn't even make sense, like, stylistically. Like, these are not the same body type. This is not the same player. Like, I'm not sure where that came from or why it's happening. Uh, that's really the thing that 
annoys me the most. And I do want to make sure that this is a positive conversation because I love Dalton Kincaid. I do. I really do. This is right now the ninth player on my board. So I have a lot of faith in the talent and I have a lot of faith in the spot. I think them, the Bills, taking him in the first round is obviously a great sign of what they see him as. And I think the big slot conversation, I mean, what does that really change? Like, what did we think his role was was. in the NFL? It was playing as a move tight end out of the slot. Like, that's how they're going to use him. They are they they don't have a wide receiver to play in the slot so they're going to use a tight end and create mismatches with one of the best pass catchers period in the draft so yeah i i love the spot and and i think people are setting themselves up a little bit by talking themselves into some crazy talk with like expectations here but i think this is going to be a really good player he will easily ascend quickly into the top tight end ranks because that's just how this works. If he is the player that we think he is in this spot, he should be a top five dynasty tight end pretty quickly because that's just how this works. So uh, I'm excited about him. I really am. I don't, you know, I'm not going to make any like crazy like predictions that this is like this, the tight end savior, like, Again, Kyle Pitts is younger. So, but I do, man, I, I like this player a lot. I I do too. This has been, like you said, our tight end one the entire time. It was only solidified by the Bills taking him in the first round and being the first tight end off the board. If he is the second target in this offense behind Diggs, like that is a huge, huge, huge win. If he's not because, you know, he, Dawson Knox is on this team and he doesn't stink, like, he's not great, but he he still exists. He's going to be taking some tight end snaps. But I just – people got to temper their expectations. He's the first tight end off the board. You can take him late in your first round of your dynasty drafts. That's all good. If you're playing tight end premium, I don't really understand how it works. But you can take him wherever. You could probably take him over the wide receivers. Mid first. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think you you get one and a half points per reception, which seems dumb to me because, I mean, uh, but, yeah, take Dalton Kincaid higher than that. So, uh, I I think people – but tone it down a little bit. He's not, he's not a top one dynasty tight end. He's like, you know, he has a chance to be top five if he looks good. So that's, that's what I got for that. And that's honestly just a great lesson in general for this class and beyond with tight ends. Just take it easy. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and give them a little while to cook, you know? Right. That's what I'm saying. They're like, a low and slow kind of player. It, we should not expect these players to look like, you know, the best tight end in football from year one. That's not how the position usually works. Almost ever works. When has it ever been like that? And even when it does seem to work that way, when your rookie tight end goes for a thousand yards, it's a disappointment. (laughs) So I don't know what people want from this position. Okay. You need to go to therapy. Because this whole podcast has really been – a Kyle Pitts conversation for you, hasn't it? Well, that, I mean, I feel like that's fair because (laughs) I feel like it really puts it in. I mean, the tight end position in dynasty, where does the conversation start? And I'm just saying we have a new shiny group of players here. Well, the guy drafted two years ago is still younger than half of them. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. (laughs) No, you're right. And like you said, he had a thousand yards as a rookie. He didn't score very many touchdowns. And now everybody is ready to throw him out because he had Marcus Mario to throw him the ball and then he messed up his MCL. So I get it. I understand. You know, it's still Pitts 
is still a buy if, if anybody's even selling them at this point. I don't, th- I don't think if you have pits, I don't know if you're selling them off because you're not getting any return on investment. Nobody's going to be like, yeah, I'll give you two firsts for Kyle Pitts. But I will go, go to therapy someday. Okay. I yeah. will talk about Kyle Pitts and just, <laughs> but no, this class, it is fun. And it is. There are some there are some unknowns here certainly, but with that comes a lot of excitement. You know, your eyes kind of light up when you think about you know what can a guy like Luke Musgrave become, what can a guy like you know Michael Mayer even become in the NFL? Like these are all players that it's exciting to envision their path forward and what it's going to look like, and that's something that the tight end position in dynasty needed sorely is just some buzz and some excitement so that it isn't only talking about Kyle Pitts like we did today. (laughs) Um, But so, like I said, I mean, this was kind of viewed as one of the best tight end classes in a while. And I, I agree with that as well. I said earlier, Tucker craft is my number six tight end. I I'm keeping him at six. Um, but there are a couple of other guys that are interesting. Colin, are there any names that you wanted to touch on that we didn't bring up? Sure. Yeah. My, I have three honorable mentions. They are Zach Kuntz. who went to the Jets. He's the one with the combine. Uh, I have Darnell Washington. He went to the Steelers. And then I also have Tucker Craft. Okay. So... You actually, I actually have one that you don't have. Was it Brenton Strange? It is Brenton Strange. Okay. I had him on there and then I took him off because I don't actually like him. Okay. So (laughs) I do like him. Yeah. I do. So convince me. What I'll say about Brenton Strange is this is another classic case of you have to imagine you have to use your imagination a little bit with these guys. Uh, what you see, what I saw this last season at Penn state, this is a second round draft pick by the way, to Jacksonville, which is a team that, you know, we discussed them taking a tight end. Uh, they end up doing it in round two, but it's not exactly a player that is on my radar um, and kind of a late riser in the process. So when I jumped in to Brenton Strange and find out what we have here, it really is just a an athlete, you know, another guy with a plus nine RAS score. Not a lot of production. They weren't really featuring him. You don't see a lot of, you know, route variety here. It's pretty raw. I mean, very raw, actually. Uh you know, as a route runner, this is not a, it's not even close to a finished product. One thing that does excite me though, is just his demeanor on the field. He's a very tenacious player and he's a guy that I went in with a little bit of bias expecting, you know, this is just another athletic slot tight end that can't block and everyone's going to go ooh ah over him. This guy can block, man. And he likes to block. Like, he he gets into people. I saw him bury a couple linebackers. I mean, he can get down and dirty in that department. And he, I mean, he's only 6'3". He's another one of these guys that's a little bit smaller. 6'3", 253, so he's got a little bit of heft to him. And with that athletic profile and, you know, kind of something to build on there, Behind Evan Ingram for now, I mean, maybe there is some development that can happen and he can kind of emerge into this offense. But at the very least, I think he gets involved as a blocker uh, across from Evan Ingram at times. So he's not a player that I'm pounding the table for. He's not a guy I'm in love with. But I do think he's an interesting player with some pretty high draft capital behind him. I mean, that that was pretty good. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, so I, I, what I saw was similar. It was like, okay, he's not polished at all, but he's, you know, a pretty physical player. And I just don't know how that translates. But we did talk about Jacksonville being a nice uh, landing spot for basically whoever. We were just kind of 
like, yeah, who's going to end up in Jacksonville? What does that look like? And he's the one that ended up there, and he got good draft capital, like you mentioned. So maybe it is something to keep an eye on, especially since Evan Ingram just signed a franchise tag. So he's really only in town for this year as the main pass-catching option there as a tight end. So this is one of those guys that isn't being talked about very much in the – you know the community quote unquote so maybe this is your your random guy that ends up breaking out when nobody really expected him to yeah and i mean i do i do think the evan ingram fit in jacksonville is really good and i do think they're going to want to try to bring him back even though they do make this selection i think there is a pathway there so again it's not a player that i expect to like you know Oh, he's tied to Trevor Lawrence. Like, get in on him now, you know. Like, I I don't see it like that, but it isn't. It is an interesting piece. Yeah. I also do want to talk about Darnell Washington, though, just because it it honestly makes me a little sad. Yeah. Um, I I think like when we originally talked about tight ends, like it was very easy to see how Darnell Washington's skill as a blocker would be prioritized and he would probably end up in a role that didn't allow him to catch many passes, but he had this sort of framework. He had this like allure to him where it's a player who had 400 yards receiving last year behind Brock Bowers as a six, seven two seventy player. So yeah. that kind of is exciting. Um, he ends up obviously falling a little bit in the draft due to some medicals that came up late in the process and gets drafted to Pittsburgh behind Pat Fryermuth, who is one of the top, you know, dynasty tight ends right now and their top pass catcher, certainly in that department. So it is kind of unfortunate. I think Darnell Washington would have been a very interesting, you know, fourth round sort of player for me in this class where you, you take a big swing. And at this point, I don't, I don't, he's not a draftable player for me. He's a, he's a potential stash if you want to get frisky with it. But I think they're going to just use him as a blocker, use him as a compliment to, to Fryermuth. So, yeah, sadly, I agree. I I wanted Washington to be like, you know, just go somewhere that doesn't have a lot of talent. Like if he had ended up in like Dallas, that'd have been really interesting. We could have we could have talked ourselves into something there, but ends up going to a place that that doesn't lack pass catchers. You know, even outside of the tight end room, it's Deontay, it's Pickens, and so they they don't really and they still have Kenny Pickett. So, like, it's not like there's a ton of targets to go around. It's not like they have an elite quarterback. He's not tied to Trevor Lawrence, per se. So, it's he's going to be good if he can stay healthy. There's There's been some questions about the medicals in the draft and all of that. So, if he's healthy, he'll be a good player and he'll be a fun player to like see every once in a while be like oh my god darnell washington just had a crazy highlight but it's never going to translate into consistent fantasy production so if you have a deep roster and you want to throw him on there just to you know see what happens i wouldn't blame you because he still is a athletic freak at like six seven two seventy so like take your shot on him if you really believe in him but it just doesn't feel like there's a real path ahead of them to being a productive fantasy asset. And that is the 2023. What about Zach Kuntz? Oh, would you like to say a piece? I just uh, think that he exists. And... (laughs) (laughs) Ringing endorsements. Yeah, I'm going to do what you did with Brent Strange, but the opposite. Okay. Uh, no. So Zach Kuntz is on the Jets, which is interesting because they have a lot of weird players over there. Like, we don't really know what's going to happen with the Jets just going forward, period, with this Aaron Rodgers regime. Uh, but he was the most athletic tight end in – I don't know if it was in history, but it was definitely in this combine – so he shows it a little bit on tape. I mean, 
there is a little bit of that, like, he's a little gangly, and you want him to be a little better at breaking tackles with how athletic he is, but you see it. You see the flashes on tape, and I don't know. It's just kind of a interesting player in uh, not – like, there's just not really a tight end in New York other than I think C.J. Uzoma's there. But, like, Kuntz is a good player, and if he's – polishes up the game a little bit he could be a nice little stash to have that freakishly athletic tight end that's you know on a on a team that seems to have a good front office but they can't find a quarterback so we'll see what happens post rogers yeah i just i get the flashbacks to last year jelani woods where it was like you see that 10 ras your eyes light up a little bit and you start to think about like maybe you know is this the diamond in the rough and then you know he falls to the seventh round i mean if you're gonna fall to the seventh round you might as well get drafted by a team that doesn't have a clear-cut answer at tight end so maybe we'll get to see the athlete on the field but um yeah that's one of the that's one of the hardest things man with tight ends is like you see these athletic freaks and you just want to believe that they can yeah. be something special i mean i jelani woods literally i mean pick him up in a couple leagues last year and i mean he has one one good game i think and obviously it's a developmental journey for players like that so um colts fans are clamoring for more jelani woods yeah, well, I hope so. I mean, we gotta we gotta see it, man. We gotta see it. It's all part of the three year plan with tight ends. So that's right. So don't give up on these guys after year one because you don't see even Dalton Kincaid. <laughs> don't give up <laughs> yeah. on him after year one. Like if if Dalton Kincaid has like seven hundred yards and five touchdowns, that's pretty good. <laughs> like we we don't have to press the red button and eject and be like you gotta sell Dalton Kincaid and then they're gonna like draft a receiver next year and that's gonna be uh, the world's on fire so just let these guys grow into who they're gonna be as fully grown tight ends you know you gotta nurture the plant you gotta give it a little fertilizer you gotta give it some water it's not gonna sprout on the first day you know we're we're a society of instant gratification well said well said the 2023 tight end class there it is uh yeah i mean exciting exciting players i mean there's five or i think i have six actually with dynasty draftable grades so that is pretty exciting um usually it's like three maybe four so i have five um, so we're in business yeah yep so um all right well like I said at the top, we are we have one rankings episode left for 2023. I'm not sure how we got here, but we are we are winding down. I can smell 2024. I'm trying not to. I'm trying to keep my oh, attention man. with the kids here, the campers <laughs> that we've been focused on for nearly oh, a full year. Marvin Harrison just made another big play. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we'll be getting to 2024 pretty quickly. But next week is a very exciting time because IDP is something that I think we we don't get enough of in the Dynasty community yeah. and especially when it comes to rookie drafts. And so I am really excited to dive really deep into this IDP class next week. We will be hitting on you know, top overall players, but also each individual position group, DL, linebacker, and DB. We'll be hitting on all of them in detail, saying, you know, where to draft them in the mix of offensive players, because that is always one of the most challenging exercises for me every year is stacking them versus the offensive talent. Um, but we're going to do all that next week and get down and dirty with the IDP. So I'm freaking pumped to do that. Yeah, I just hope it's not too late for – because a, a lot of people do their dynasty drafts 
their rookie drafts right after the NFL draft. And the that's the what I've learned this year, and that's yeah, news to me, honestly. Same, but they they do it in like the three weeks after the NFL draft. So hopefully we can you know do the IDP players some justice and you know help out a little bit because I like you said it's just not a common thing in the space and there's just not a lot of content around it there's so hopefully we can shed some light on what we know i mean you've been playing idp for how long over 10 years yeah so i mean i don't know anybody else that's had an idp league for that long i i learned what idp was from you and i I remember my cousin was like you know should you can add defensive players on yahoo you know, we should do one. And we did it for one year. And I had Darius Leonard. It was really nice. But everybody had an elite defense player because it was a 10-person league. So everybody just had, like, one of, like, Luke Keekley and, like, you know. So, anyway, that that is not a great way to play IDP, in my opinion, you know. But having the full IDP roster is a lot of fun. It makes the rookie drafts just such – a more dynamic experience where there's so much deeper. Cause it's like you get into the fourth round and when you only have offensive players, it's like, well, uh, did I take a shot on like Puka Nakua maybe, but in the IDP draft, you could be like oh, Jalen Carter, man, he's still falling. You know, like people don't respect the IDL. So we'll, we'll get into that next week. Yep. That'll be a big name. Big topic of discussion next week. And like I said, you know, we'll be getting into each position group in detail. So until then, follow us at camp underscore dynasty on Twitter and camp dot dynasty on TikTok. Check out our YouTube channel, which is Camp Dynasty. The pod feeds have been going up so that you can check us out over there, get a little vid- visual with your podcast if that's your flavor. Uh, And if you're listening on the pod feed, thanks. Give us a like, rating, uh, review, subscribe, turn notifications on, potentially share the podcast if you've enjoyed it as well. Uh, We appreciate all of that. So looking forward to talking about IDP next week. And man, we are counting things down. There are only a few episodes left in season one of camp dynasty somehow so man that's wild to think about it's been a it's been a special year special year and uh yeah man i i'm just excited i'm ready to cry when it's all over let me just say that well thanks for stopping by camp dynasty this week we'll see you next week